Prophecies foretell an Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement will begin the final seven years prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Is the new Holy Land Confederation proposed to the United States and the United Nations that prophesied peace deal? We will analyze that question on this edition of End of the Age. Is the Holy Land Confederation the peace agreement that starts the final seven years to the second coming of Jesus Christ or Daniel's 70th week? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today in these next couple segments. And the Haaretz news source, among many other news sources in Israel, have reported that a Holy Land Confederation The Oslo Accords architect has presented a new peace plan. Now, veteran Israeli peace negotiator, negotiator, many of you have heard his name, Yossi Balin, and a Palestinian attorney, Haiba Hassani, suggest that the creation of a confederation, which would be like a, a league or an alliance with people swaps involving settlers and refugees, in the Israeli West Bank area as a way to revive the two-state solution um, plan that that the international community agrees is the only solution to the the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So a new plan for resolving the Israeli-Palestinian conflict that proposes the creation of a confederation instead of relying exclusively on a two-state solution. It's not throwing the two-state solution out, but it kind of, um, they're kind of trying to maneuver around and add a few things to that. It would allow the West Bank settlers to remain in their homes, which is prophetic, and is being presented to the Biden administration officials and the United Nations very soon. The proposal for the Holy Land Confederation is a 100-page document that has been crafted over the past two years by Yossi Balin, one of the architects, again, of the Oslo Accords back in the early 90s, together with the Palestinian attorney and a veteran peace negotiator, Haiba Hosseini. Along with a small team of Israeli and Palestinian advisors, they met regularly over Zoom during the pandemic, to craft this plan. And it's a plan designed not to replace the two-state solution, but it's designed to provide a fresh opportunity for the resumption of talks. Now, this is what Husseini is saying, the Palestinian negotiator. She said, I I urge everyone to read the proposal very carefully and to look at the details and not pass immediate judgment and reject it outright. 
Yossi Balin said the plan builds on both the Oslo Accords signed back in 93 by Israel and the Palestine Liberation Organization and the Geneva Initiative and the peace plan he helped to um, craft back in 2003 together with Israelis and Palestinians and designed as a model permanent status agreement. And so in the Holy Land Confederation, he said, we added another layer to the Geneva Initiative that everything should be done in a framework of cooperation. So the new plan, he said, abandon a, a two-state a two-state vision based on hermetic separation. And so there's there's a lot of things added in here. He said that you live that you know the two-state separation or the two-state solution. That hey, you live over here, we live over here, which he said was not feasible or desirable desirable for either side. But what they wanted to do is to allow people, the settlers to live out there and then Israel to take on some of the Palestinians. So they could all kind of live together. Now, don't know if this would ever work, but this is what they're proposing. He said, we're speaking about a very small area geographically and its partition is very artificial. So when we speak about building roads, infrastructure using joint natural resources, and so on, it might be much more acceptable to live in, he said. And he believes that for both Israelis and Palestinians, it might be much more acceptable to live in a confederation than in a two-state, two separate states, especially when a wall divides them. So this is what they're trying to do, is not necessarily just have this clear wall with a two-state separate solution, but a confederation. Again, I don't know if this will lead to the eventual peace agreement. I don't think this is the peace agreement because it doesn't have all the characteristics. And we'll get to that in a moment. I'm going to get very detailed into that in these segments. But under this proposal, and we have to talk about this today because this is one of the next two events on God's prophetic timeline. The Six Trumpet War and the peace agreement that starts the final seven years or what's referred to by most prophecy teachers as Daniel's 70th week. So even though this may not be the one, these are continuing efforts towards the eventual peace agreement. Now, under this proposal, Mr. Balin said that the parties would begin negotiating for one year, determining the structure of the Holy Land Confederation, while hammering the parameters of a Palestinian state, using the Oslo and Geneva as their starting point, and the state would be comprised of what are currently known as areas A and B in the West Bank. You know, it's all separated between the Israelis and the Palestinians, and then they, um, they both kind of manage some places. In the West Bank, Gaza, and in that he's including East Jerusalem in this. And Israel would then formally recognize, eventually, an independent state of Palestine. Now, when you talk about the Abraham Accords, the Abraham Accords does not deal with this. The Abraham Accords did not start the final seven years to the second coming of Jesus Christ. It could lead to that eventually, but at this point, it's not there. It doesn't even deal with the Israeli-Palestinian situation. 
And so that's why we wanted to talk about this on these segments of End of the Age, um, this Holy Land Confederation, because it's pointing right in that direction. But he goes on to say that that, however, would be an ending point rather than the place to start and this, this final solution. And so over the course of the next two years, Yossi Balin said that negotiations would continue between the two states to shape the nature of a cooperative and an European-style confederation between the two. So this is something we will have to follow because he's talking about a Holy Land Confederation in the beginning leading to a final status agreement. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time Message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. When we're talking about this Holy Land Confederation, the most controversial aspect of this plan, and it's really a radical departure for a figure like a a left uh, figure on the left like a Yossi Balin, is the plan's proposal to allow the settlers living deep inside the West Bank to choose between relocating into Israel proper or becoming permanent residents in the state in a future state of Palestine. Now, ABC News added that the plan would allow nearly 500,000 Jewish settlers in the occupied West Bank to remain there with large settlements near the border annexed to Israel in a, a, a one-to-one land swap. You take this many acres, we'll take this many acres. Because they're, they're not going to be able to go right exactly back to 1967 borders. That's not going to be possible. So, 
settlers living deep inside the West Bank would be given the option of relocating or becoming permanent residents in this, this future state of Palestine under this plan. Now, this is very prophetic, and you understand this before uh, we get through here. The same number of Palestinians, um, likely refugees from the 1948 war surrounding Israel's creation, would be allowed to relocate to Israel as citizens of Palestine with permanent residency in Israel. Now, Yossi Balin and Husseini will present their plan to the U.S. Deputy Secretary of State, Wendy Sherman, and the United Nations Secretary General, Antonio Guterres. And Balin says that they've already shared drafts with Israeli and Palestinian officials. So it's something that we'll definitely need to be watching. Again, I'm not sure that this is, I know this is not, this particular plan is not the agreement that will start the final seven years. However, there are people that are moving straight forward, proposing plans. Um, you know that things will not always be like they are now. There, um, Naftali Bennett, the current prime minister of Israel, he's not always going to be the prime minister. There are other people that are coming along behind him that agree with the two-state solution. It appears from articles that I have read recently, I just read one today, about the PLO leader, or the, uh, the PA leader, Palestinian Authority leader Mahmoud Abbas, that his tenure is coming to an end, and that he is getting ready to appoint some new leaders uh, to the Palestinian Authority. So things will not always continue like they are now. You say, I'm just pretty much fed up with this peace negotiations between the Israelis and the Palestinians. There will come a time when they get a peace agreement signed and there is a two-state solution created. You say, well, how do you guys know that? You talk about it all the time. You say that it's going to start the final seven years. Because of the prophecies of the Bible, and this is why it's important to have a proper understanding of Bible prophecy. Now, when this peace agreement is signed, it will be one of the most significant peace, uh, the significant prophecies, the fulfillment of prophecy, really in the last 2,000 to 2,500 years. Because this is a prophecy with a date on it. No, the end of the age program and end time ministries is not setting the date. The Bible says it's specifically going to be a final seven year period. So let's talk about the coming Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement. The Bible prophesies a peace agreement. It's going to be reached between the Israelis and the Palestinians, not all the Arab nations. Again, it could include that, but specifically it's got to deal with the Israelis and Palestinians. And when this agreement is concluded, it will trigger a seven-year period that will culminate at the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. It's Daniel's 70th week. You can read about Daniel's 70 weeks in Daniel 9, verses 24 through 27. It just, not, it just doesn't deal with it in Daniel 9, 27. A lot of people go straight to that verse because that deals with the final week, the final seven-year period. But the entire prophecy is Daniel 9, 24 through 27. And if I have time, I'm going to go through all that here in these segments. So, some of the provisions or characteristics of this coming agreement will be, number one, 
a Palestinian state will be created in Judea. And I'm going to prove this scripturally in a moment. Palestinian state's going to be created in Judea. This is exactly what this plan is talking about, eventually. And it will be commonly referred to as the modern-day West Bank. Number two, Jews will presently living in the area of a new Palestinian state will be permitted to stay, living as a Jewish minority under the Palestinian government. Now, that's prophesied by Jesus in Matthew 24, a 2,000-year-old prophecy, and it's exactly what this Holy Land Confederation is proposing. How did Yossi Balin, who does not follow the New Testament, how does he know that there was going to be this type of situation that Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24? Well, I don't know how, he doesn't know. Jesus, God knows the end from the beginning, and he's the one that wrote the Bible. And through his different uh, secretaries, let's say, and so that's how we know. We understand the prophecies of the Bible. I know what's happening right now in the news. The third characteristics of the peace agreement would be the Temple Mount would be placed under a sharing arrangement between Jews and Muslims. Now, obviously this Holy Land Confederation, this plan is not even talking about that. At least I haven't read it yet, but from what I'm reading in the news. Number four, Israel will be allowed to build its third temple without disturbing the the Al-Aqsa Mosque or the Dome of the Rock. And the international community will supervise this sharing arrangement. And then number five, negotiations concerning the status of Jerusalem, they're really going to reach an impasse. And therefore, a final agreement on that issue, who controls Jerusalem, will be postponed for seven years, the Bible tells us, with the understanding that it would be dealt with at that time. And in the interim... Israel will retain control all over Jerusalem. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. So, understanding the prophecy. I've made all these, you know, it's, let's say it's one thing to assert that all these events will come to pass, right? It's easy for me to get on the television and the radio and say that, right? But how can we prove it from Scripture? The very important prophecy of the coming peace agreement Again, Daniel 9, 24 through 27. Um, and I'm going to go through, we're going to stick with the King James Version here, okay? Now, if I go to a, like the, NI, uh, the uh, New Living Translation or something, I'll tell you when I get there. Um, but for right now, we'll stick with the KJV. So it says this. This is Daniel 9, 24. Seventy weeks, Daniel, are determined upon thy people... And upon the holy city to make to uh, finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build the temple, or I'm sorry, to build Jerusalem. Uh, let me make sure I quote this correctly. Unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks. Now, we're going to prove these are seven weeks of years or a 490-year prophecy. But the King James Version says seven weeks here, and we'll get to that. So, um, seven weeks, and it's divided up here in a segment. Seven weeks, three score, and two weeks. And then, um, at that point, 
The street shall be built again, the wall, even troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall the Messiah, which we know now is Jesus, will be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of war, desolations are determined. And then finally, in verse 27, And he, we know now that that's the Antichrist, I'll prove that in just a moment, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, that final seven-year period. And in the midst of the week, three and a half years in, he, the Antichrist, shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. Now, if you want to understand much of the final seven years in those events, you've got to understand this prophecy. Now, because uh, uh, even beyond that, why is it so important for us? Because End Time Ministries and the End of the Age program is going to have a huge part in the events that transpire as a result of this. Mailing a magazine to every home in Israel once the final seven years begins. The Great Door Knocking Campaign. Our Jerusalem Prophecy College exploding. Jews coming out of the West Bank into Israel proper. The greatest time of revival the world's ever known. Did you understand the prophetic implications from all of that? So, this famous prophecy is often referred to as Daniel's 70 weeks. Now, a lot of prophecy teachers have taught on this over the years. And some of them, let's just say they did their best to explain it. (laughs) Because, wow, I've read some books and there's a lot of stuff going on out there. So, I want to explain it from the scriptures, okay? Now, this Daniel 70 weeks could be more accurately described as 70 weeks of years or a 490-year period. The NIV, the, the New International Version, it says 77s are decreed up for your people. The New Century Version says God has ordered 490 years for your people. This prophecy of Daniel 9.27, it foretold the events of Jewish history that would occur over a 490-year period from Daniel 9.24-27. through 27. And this will become clear as we delve into this prophecy on this program. Now, there's one other thing we must notice in order to understand Daniel's 70 weeks. And I talked about it before, but the, the prophecy is given in three segments, seven weeks of years or 49 years, 62 weeks of years or 434 years, and then one week of years or a seven-year period. That seven-year period is just ahead of us now. The prophecy is given this way because there are gaps between the 49 years, the 434 years, and that final seven-year period. If you look in verse 25... It tells us when the 490 years begin. It states that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah would be seven weeks of years or 49 years and 62 weeks of years, the 434 years. So in other words, um, from the commandment to rebuild Jerusalem to the Messiah would be 
a 483 year, uh, 483 years plus the length of the gaps between the 49 years and 434 years. We do not know what the length of the gaps were. So a lot of people try, try to try it all together. If you do that, wow, you're not going to go which end, you're not going to know which ends up at that point. So a lot of people try to tie them all together and just cram everything together with no gaps, and that's a mess. So the first temple in the city of Jerusalem were destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians in 586 B.C. The order allowing the Jews to rebuild Jerusalem was given by the Persian king Cyrus in 538 B.C. And this is when the prophecy begins. Remember, from the going forth of the commandment. So, verse 25 clearly states that the coming of Messiah would mark the end of the 483 years. And then, of course, remember, there's going to be a final seven years, which would be just ahead of us now. So, notice that after the 483 years, two things were prophesied to happen. And this is going to prove the gap. The Messiah would be cut off and Jerusalem would be destroyed. Now, there's a very um, prominent teacher. There's a guy named Clarence Larkin that said that this, that the, um, the in essence, he said this, that 40 years really didn't matter. And, but it does because both of them were foretold to occur at the end of the 483 years. So this is how we're going to prove that there are, there's gaps. Now, so Jerusalem was to be destroyed at the end of the 483 years. Then verse 26, Jesus was crucified, cut off around 30 A.D. roughly. And Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans when? In 70 A.D. And yet the final seven years of the prophecy contained in verse 27 has not yet begun. So there's obviously a gap between the 483 years and the final seven years, right? This gap is because the Jews as a whole rejected Jesus as their Messiah. And so it's very important that we understand uh, this prophecy. And we're going to go through it some more. Um, And I'm going to throw something in here. Not sure we've ever talked about about this prophecy uh, in the next segment. So you definitely want to hang around for that. Talking about this pertaining just to the Jews. I want to make sure we clear up a misconception. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies... End-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, 
end time do's and don'ts, and could school choice save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Now, because the Jews rejected their Messiah, consequently, God turned to the Gentiles to take a bride for his name's sake. And this began what Scripture calls the times of the Gentiles. The Apostle Paul described it this way in Romans eleven twenty five: For I would not, brethren, <clears throat> that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel." until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Now, there are some that have taught this only pertains that the um, that Daniel 70 week, because it says 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, that only Jews can be saved during these 70 week periods when they occur. But that's simply not the case. There were Gentiles saved prior to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. And there will be Jews and Gentiles saved during the final seven years. Did you know that? In Daniel, or in Revelation chapter 7, there is the 144,000, the remnant of Jews that will be saved. But then... You understand that the final three and one half years of that final seven year period is the great tribulation. And when in Daniel, in Revelation 7, when John sees the multitude or the um, 144,000 sealed in Daniel 7, 9, he turns and he says, And then I looked and beheld a multitude no man could number out of every people, kindred, nation, and tongue, not just Jews, stand before the Lord. And they had washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. They were born again. And that he, John was seeing a future vision of heaven. And the elder looked at John and said, John, who are these individuals and where would they come from? And John said, I don't know. And the elder said, these are they that came out of great tribulation. So there will be Gentiles saved during the final seven-year period. During the final Daniel's 70th week. Right? That's what the Bible says. So I wanted to kind of clear up a misconception there because some people would say, oh no, all the, the, the Gentiles and the church is going to be gone and then the Lord will turn back to the Jews. Well, it is Daniel's 70 weeks and he is, that it is, um, he, there are, but there are both going to be Jews and Gentiles saved during that time. You have to look at the scriptures and study every verse that pertains to this topic. 
There will be Jews saved during that time as well. There are Jews that are saved today. Remember, the Bible says that Israel is blinded in part right now. So I've got Jewish friends that are saved. They've been born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb. They're saved today. But yet, the final seven years hasn't started right yet, has it? So, there will be Jews and Gentiles saved during that time. A lot of people try to use this to to teach, uh, to prove a pre-tribulation rapture, but that's simply not the case. There will be, just like there are Jews can be saved today, there will be Gentiles saved during that final seven-year period. But there will also be Jews because the Bible says that I will save the tents of Judah first, which is the West Bank area that we're talking about. So, just wanted to kind of clear up a little misconception there. Now, from our present perspective, we know this gap from the 483 years to the final seven-year period is going to be about 2,000 years, right? And the gap's going to continue until the signing of the peace, the Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement, which is what we're looking for to occur when the next two events on God's prophetic timeline. And the final seven years of the 490-year prophecy described in Daniel 9.27. The verse contains the prophecy of the Middle East peace agreement that will mark the beginning of that final seven years. So let's look again at Daniel 9.27. The Bible says, And he shall confirm a covenant for many with one week, seven years. In the midst of the final seven years, he shall cause the sacrifice, the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. There are several things that we need to consider from this important verse. Number one, who's the he in Daniel 9.27? What is the covenant? What are the sacrifices that will be stopped? What's the abomination of desolation? And so we need to answer these questions to kind of figure out what's going on here. So the he that confirms the covenant does three things. He confirms the covenant. Well, the Antichrist confirms the covenant. Uh, Daniel 11, 21 through 45, describes the actions of the Antichrist, right? In verse 21 and 22, the he is called the prince of the covenant. It's the Antichrist. Number two, the, Antichrist, the he, in verse Daniel 9, 27, causes the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. That's the Antichrist as well. The Antichrist stops the sacrifices according to Daniel 11.31. The he also, number three, places the abomination of desolation. What's the Antichrist that places the abomination that makes desolate, according to a Daniel 11.31 as well? So since the Antichrist does all three of these things, we have absolute proof that the he in Daniel 9.27, which will confirm the covenant, is the Antichrist. So what's the covenant then? Well, Genesis 15, 18 describes the covenant God made with Abraham, promising them something, right? So uh, Genesis 15, 18, in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram before his name was changed to Abraham. And he said, unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. It's the promised land. That's what we're talking about here. At the time of that divine promise, Abraham was in the land of Israel. The Abrahamic covenant was God's promise that Abraham, uh, to Abraham that the promised land would belong to him and his descendants forever. 
So what's the confirmation of the covenant? Well, when the Middle East peace agreement is signed, the Antichrist and the international community will confirm Israel's right to exist in the Holy Land. Now, presently, Israel's enemies deny that she has a right to a home in the land God promised to Abraham. So, when the confirmation of the covenant takes place at the time of the signing of the Palestinian-Israeli peace agreement, that's why we're focused on this Holy Land um, confederation in the news because they're talking about a Palestinian-Israeli agreement, right? Then, once we see the one that has all of the characteristics that I mentioned earlier, the final seven years to the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming will begin. Another question we need to answer, what sacrifices will the Antichrist stop? Well, the Middle East Peace Agreement will place the Temple Mount under a sharing arrangement between Muslims and Jews. Israel will be allowed to build her third temple on the Temple Mount. We've talked recently about the efforts here in Texas for them to find a red heifer. That's what all this is pointing towards. So when the temple is completed, animal sacrifices will be offered, just like they were in the Old Testament. And these are the sacrifices the Antichrist will stop, you know, probably at the urging of of the animal rights activists and maybe some of the um, international international community that's against these types of things. What about the, so the, the next question, what's the abomination of desolation? Well, in Matthew 24, 15, Jesus said, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, that was spoken of by Daniel the prophet in Daniel 9.27. Stand in the holy place, which he's talking to his disciples, looking at the temple at that point. They knew exactly where the holy place was. The Bible says, Whoso readeth, let him understand. So according to Jesus, the abomination of desolation would occur in the holy place. The holy place is in the temple or at least in that region on the temple mount, right? The Apostle Paul gave a more detailed description of the abomination of desolation in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. He said, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, what day? The coming of our Lord and our gathering together unto Him. The second coming. That day would not come, except there goes a, comes a falling away first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's the abomination of desolation. So the man of sin or the son of perdition both refer to this end-time world leader, the, the Antichrist. And Paul teaches here that the Antichrist will stand in that temple, a rebuilt Jewish temple, Exalting, him, exalting himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, claiming to be God. And when he commits this uh, uh, a blasphemous act, that will be the abomination of desolation. So, let's, let's summarize the peace agreement and get into some of the details that align themselves with this Holy Land Confederation. And... and This is the very reason we're talking about this right now, right? Daniel 9.27 prophesies the Antichrist will confirm Israel's right to exist in the promised land. This peace agreement would be the confirmation of the covenant. The peace agreement will be a seven-year temporary agreement. 
and it will be temporary because the status of Jerusalem is going to be left unresolved. When they talk about a final status agreement, that means everything, they've agreed on everything and we're done. Okay, there's never going to be a final status agreement. The Antichrist will confirm a covenant for seven years, but they're never going to settle on Jerusalem. They're They're going to leave that to the end. The Bible tells us that. So, the creation of a Palestinian state in Judea, which is what we're talking about with this um, Holy Land Confederation, right? The peace agreement will provide for a Palestinian state in the West Bank, and historically and biblically, this area is referred to as Judea. The agreement will also allow Jews in Judea to remain as a Jewish minority under that Palestinian state. And we know this from the prophecy of Jesus, again, in Matthew 24, um, 15 through 18, and then verse 21, where it talks about the tribulation. He said, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea, the modern-day West Bank, flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop, don't even go down to take anything out of your house. Just hit the ground running. And neither let him which is in the field, don't go back to your house. Just run. Why? Because verse 21, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, the worst time of persecution the world has ever seen. No, nor ever again shall be. Because after this is all over, God's going to set up His kingdom here on the earth, right? So in this passage, Jesus paints a picture of Jews living under a hostile government in Judea. There's nobody else vying for that land on, in, in the world other than the Palestinians. So when the abomination of desolation occurs, halfway through that final seven-year agreement, the Jews living in Judea will have to flee for their lives. And this event will launch the final three and one half years called the Great Tribulation. Now this is where end time ministries and the end of the age program, we are going to have a huge part in this because we're going to be warning them. We're going to send the magazine. Once the final seven years starts, we're going to send a magazine to every home in Israel. And three years into that, we're going to do the door knocking campaign out in Judea or the West Bank area saying, look, when you see this event occur on the Temple Mount, this abomination of desolation, you're going to have to hit the ground running because there's going to be a great time of persecution at that point. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, 
please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. You know, it's amazing that the scenario Jesus painted 2,000 years ago is exactly what's presently being discussed in these ongoing peace negotiations for years now. The Palestinians contend that the only hope for peace between them and the Israelis is this two-state solution. They claim that their state should be established in Judea, the West Bank. The United States, the European Union, the United Nations all agree that the two-state solution is the only viable solution to the conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Uh, When he was prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, also embraced a two-state solution as the ultimate answer to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And currently, Naftali Bennett does not, but Yair Lapid, who will take power next August, does. Now, the Temple Mount is going to be shared. How do we know that? Well, outside of the control of Jerusalem, the status of the Temple Mount is the most hotly disputed issue in the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Muslims claim the Temple Mount as their third holiest site after Mecca and uh, Medina, which are located in Saudi Arabia. The Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock presently occupy the Temple Mount. If you've ever been to Israel, you've seen it, the big gold dome. That's the Dome of the Rock. However, the Jews regard the Temple Mount as their number one holy site. And they should, of course. The first temple stood there, um, stood on that Temple Mount from 968 uh, B.C. to 586 B.C. The second, second temple stood there on the, on, that same, on the same foundation from 516 B.C. to 70 A.D. God promised King Solomon that he would place his name there forever. Many times. Uh, what, 40, close to 40 times in the Old Testament. Consequently, the Jews insist that their third temple must soon be built there. And it will. So how will this intractable dispute over these 35 acres be resolved under this coming peace agreement? Well, if you remember... Back during the Camp David peace negotiations in the year, oh man, 2000, President Bill Clinton suggested that the Muslims and Jews could just share the Temple Mount. Yasser Arafat and Ehud Barak, they couldn't come to agreement. And Bill Clinton said, why don't you guys just share it? Well, more recently, there was a law that was introduced in the Israeli Knesset to place the Temple Mount under a sharing arrangement. Now that's a... That is a, what, a um, 2,000-year-old prophecy? And yet they're talking about it in these ongoing peace negotiations. Um, And back when he was prime minister, um, Benjamin Netanyahu used his influence at that time to delay the action concerning the law, hoping that the issues would be settled when a peace agreement was finally achieved. Now, This Holy Land Confederation, obviously it doesn't mention that. Of course, I haven't read it yet. 
It's supposed to be like 100 pages. I'll go through every page of it in great detail. But up to this point, they haven't mentioned it in, the new, in our news sources. But the Bible prophesies that the temple will be shared under the coming peace agreement. Uh, it's mentioned in Revelation 11, 1 and 2. And there was given unto me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein, but the court which is without the temple, leave it out. Don't measure it. For it's given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot for 42 months. So John was instructed to measure the temple and those that worship therein, but he was told not to measure the outer court because it would be trodden down, uh, it would be um, under Gentile control. And this scripture paints a picture of the temple mount being shared between Jew and Gentile. And the scene in this prophecy describes the temple mount during the final 42 months of that seven-year agreement, which is just ahead of us now. Now, the Jewish temple is going to be rebuilt. Uh, again, in uh, Revelation 11, 1 and 2, John was told to measure the temple. Well, you can't measure a temple if there's no temple to measure, right? Now, this was, John wrote the book of Revelation in uh, 95, 96 A.D., beyond the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. So that was already destroyed by the Romans. He's out exiled on the Isle of Patmos in 95, 96. And he says, and it was told to him, measure the temple. Well, what temple? The temple's been destroyed. He's talking about the third temple that would be built in the near future. He was told to do this when there would be 42 months left. And this lets us know that the Jewish temple has to be built and completed during the first three and one half years of that final seven year agreement. Also, um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 confirms it. it. Remember when it talks about the Antichrist will sit in the temple of God at the time of the abomination of desolation, which is halfway through the final seven years. Again, just like uh, Revelation 11, 1 and 2. So you can't sit in a temple if there's no temple to sit in. And again, that proves that the Jewish temple will be completed during the first three and one half years of the final seven-year agreement. Animal sacrifices are going to be conducted and then stopped. Now, again, once the Jewish temple is completed, animal sacrifices will be resumed as they were practiced in the Old Testament. We know this because Daniel 9.27 foretells the final seven years, and it states that the Antichrist in the middle of the seven years will cause the sacrifices to stop. You cannot stop sacrifices if they are not ongoing, right? Daniel 11.31 also records the Antichrist stopping the sacrifices. The Bible says, um, Arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that make it desolate. So all of this ties in perfectly the Antichrist will commit the abomination of desolation. Um, so in order to justify stopping the Jewish sacrifices, the Antichrist will offer his reason for doing so. He's going to remind the world that uh, most people have come to agree that all religions really worship the same God. They just call him different names, right? But he's going to go a step further. The Antichrist will remind the different religions that most of them are expecting an 
an anointed leader to appear. Jews are looking for the Messiah. Christians are expecting the second coming of Jesus. Muslims believe the Mahdi will soon come. And Buddhists are expecting the fifth Buddha. Now, I will offer you a warning. If if you consider yourself a Christian, and they say, hey, the Messiah is in the temple on the Temple Mount, don't believe it. Jesus warned us. Don't believe it when they say, hey, the Messiah is here in the desert. Messiah is over here. Don't go there. Why? Because the Bible says, Jesus said in Matthew 24, as the lightning flashes from the east and the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. When the Lord comes back, He's going to split His split the clouds wide open. The Bible says in Revelation 1-7, Every eye will behold Him. There will be the sound of a trumpet, and He will send His angels to gather the elect. Until you see that event, there is no Messiah here or there. I know many people have claimed to be the Messiah, you know, in different places. The Antichrist will claim to be the Messiah. But Jesus said, don't pay any attention to that. Until you see me coming in the clouds with power and great glory, and I send my angels with the sound of a trumpet, don't pay any attention to all this stuff, because you're going to be fooled. Jesus warned us about false prophets and false Christ in the end time. Matthew 24, you can read it for yourself. So the Antichrist is then going to claim that he is the anointed one. You know, there have been many people that have claimed to be the Messiah over the years. But they were false messiahs. So the Antichrist, he's going to claim to be the anointed one as well. To the, to the different religions who have been expecting and yearning for this anointed one to come. And so he's going to say, hey, there's no need for these sacrifices. 2 Thessalonians 2.4 says that he's going to exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sits in the temple of God claiming to be God. Now, how soon will this peace agreement be signed? I do not have the answer to that. I wanted to bring this Holy Land uh, Confederation up because I know that these are attempts moving us in the direction of this agreement that will be signed in the very near future. Many have attempted to negotiate a peace agreement between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And so far, all of them have failed. Many people, I mean, um, John Kerry, President Obama, President Trump. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, Pres- uh, um, President uh, Bush, many, many of them. You know, P- President Trump, he took great pride in his negotiating skills. He even wrote the book, The Art of the Deal. But, you know, he says negotiating between the Arabs and the Israelis would have been the ultimate deal if he could have gotten it done. And he even said that he, he, he even said, well, I, I don't know if I can get it done or not because it's a very elusive deal. But he announced that he was, he, he was I'll, I'll give it my best shot. But he, he, didn't make, he didn't get one either. And so it was very, very important that we understand the prophecy of Daniel 70 weeks, Daniel 9, verses 24 through 27. And... All of the little nuances that go along with it. It's it's all right here in Scripture, folks. Now, we do have DVDs that that go into great detail on all of this. If you're on the End of the Age Plus, or you can purchase the DVDs. But if you're on our End of the Age Plus platform, go to Lesson 6 of Understanding the End Time. Actually, I would encourage you to go through Lesson 5 
and Lesson 6 because it gives all the history of Israel. There are a lot of people that say today that Israel shouldn't even have access to that land. It's not their land. But once you understand the history and the... um, in the biblical history, but not just biblical history, but um, hit the history books, they all show that it, that is Israel's land. And once you go through all that, and then it goes into this prophecy, you get a complete understanding uh, of all of it. So I would encourage you to either purchase the DVDs or uh, the understanding of the end time DVDs or go to your end of the age platform that you guys are on if you're subscribed to that. Go to watch.endtime.com and check it out. Something you can subscribe to and you'll have access to all this stuff. And it goes into a lot greater detail than I'm going to have time to do on the program today. But it's very important that you understand these things because it's one of the next two events to occur on God's prophetic timeline. Again, the Sixth Trumpet War, Revelation 9, verse 13 through 21, and then this peace agreement that starts the final seven years. Once this peace agreement comes to an end, this seven-year period, and Israel will still refuse to um, yield up Jeru- control of Jerusalem, that's what's going to lead to the Battle of Armageddon. The armies of the world will come down against Jerusalem to implement resolutions like Resolution 2, 3, 3, 4, which says it's illegal for Israel to occupy East Jerusalem and the West Bank. They're going to come down to enforce those resolutions and that's going to result in the Battle of Armageddon. And it's at that time that God will come back, establishes His kingdom here on the earth, and the Antichrist and the false prophet will be bound and cast into the lake of fire. That's Revelation uh, 19, verse 20. And so we've got to understand these things. That's why we brought up the Holy Land Confederation over the last few programs, few segments but we wanted to make sure you understood it in great detail because it's right there in the Bible, folks. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at one 800 end That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.